If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. We worship an awesome God in the blue states. The the president's uh, problem is that he was born a Muslim. Not God bless America, God damn America. My Christian faith then has been a sustaining force for me over these last few years. Marriage itself is now being redefined and at a very incredible velocity. President Obama made it very clear that he wanted to be the abortion president. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Welcome to the history of evangelicals and politics, the Obama era. This is episode 26, Evangelicals Remember Ronald Reagan. I'm John Fia. On June 5, 2004, Ronald Reagan died from pneumonia complicated by Alzheimer's disease. For the purpose of this podcast, it is worth remembering that Reagan died in the middle of an election year in which the Christian right was actively engaged in rallying evangelicals to support the re-election bid of George W. Bush, the son of Reagan's vice president and his successor, George H.W. Bush. The Christian right revered Reagan. As we saw in episode five of this podcast, his 1980 speech to the Religious Roundtable's National Affairs Briefing in Dallas, in which he said, I know you can't endorse me, but I endorse you, secured the close relationship between the president and these evangelical culture warriors. Reagan died in an election year in which the conservative evangelicals were engaged in an intense battle over gay marriage, the institution they believed was the linchpin of their vision for a Christian nation and Western civilization writ large. In their remembrance of Ronald Reagan, evangelicals reminded their followers that he was one of them, a fellow born-again Christian who is now in heaven because of his faith in Jesus Christ. George Bush told the nation that Reagan's work is done and now a shining city awaits him. At his state funeral on June 11, Bush noted that Reagan's courage and strength came from his boyhood reading of the Bible with his mother. His faith manifested itself in a life of prayer, even prayer for John Hinckley Jr., the man who shot him in 1981. Bush said that as he suffered through a fearless illness in the later years of his life, Reagan waited on the Lord to call him home. 
In these years, Reagan saw through a glass darkly, Bush said. But now he sees his savior face to face. And we look for that fine day when we will see him again. All weariness gone, clear of mind, strong and sure, and smiling again. And the sorrow of this parting gone forever. At Reagan's nationally televised private funeral in California, his son, Michael Reagan, a conservative activist, culture warrior, and radio host, said that his father gave him his greatest gift when he closed his eyes for the last time and went to be with his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Michael Reagan told the story of how his father shared his faith in Christ on a 1998 flight from Washington, D.C. to California. The son was confident that his father was now in heaven and that one day he, his wife, and his two daughters would see Reagan there and dance with the heavenly hosts of angels before the presence of God. Michael Reagan's words were no doubt a comfort to the evangelical faithful watching the funeral on television. Leaders of the Christian right made similar tributes. Connie Mackey, the vice president for government affairs at the Family Research Council and a staff member in the Reagan administration, eulogized him as a culture warrior who in a 1981 meeting with pro-lifers promised them that he would only nominate Supreme Court justices who were honest, had integrity, and who would interpret the Constitution, not try to rewrite it. Reagan fulfilled this promise when he nominated conservative justices Antonin Scalia and William Rehnquist. But many evangelicals were disappointed when Reagan nominated Sandra Day O'Connor and Anthony Kennedy. Both Day O'Connor and Kennedy voted to uphold Roe v. Wade in the 1992 Planned Parenthood of Southeastern Pennsylvania versus Casey decision, probably the most important abortion case since Roe. Reverend Lewis Sheldon of Traditional Values Coalition praised Reagan for vanquishing a period of darkness in American history. His colleague, Andrea Lafferty, added that Reagan led America back from the brink of despair and by example showed us the many possibilities which await those guided by the light of faith. Beverly LaHaye of Concerned Women of America said that the nation rightfully mourns the passing of a great man who God raised up at a critical time in history. And she quoted John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Don Hodel, Reagan's Secretary of the Interior and Secretary of Energy, who also served as the president of Focus on the Family, said that it was apparent to those around him that the president had an abiding faith in God, which gave him calm and confidence through all the demands of the presidency and the attacks of his critics. Billy Graham said that Reagan had a religious faith deeper than most people knew, and his tremendous integrity was rooted in that Christian faith. The longest and most politically driven tribute to Reagan 
came from Focus on the Families, James Dobson. Dobson wrote that Reagan would always be one of his heroes because he had the courage to defend the unborn child and openly support the institution of the family at a time when it was considered politically suicidal to even utter such things. Rather than stopping there, Dobson, in a statement that lacked nuance, used the occasion to attack Gerald Ford, Betty Ford, Jimmy Carter, and Rosalind Carter for being outspoken defenders of abortion for any reason or for no reason throughout the entire nine months of pregnancy. Dobson then chided First Ladies Ford and Carter for promoting the Equal Rights Amendment legislation that he said promised to codify the entire radical feminist agenda into law. It is unclear what any of this had to do with Reagan, but Dobson was not going to pass up the chance to use the former president's death to advance his culture war agenda. Dobson said that he observed Reagan as the governor of California, and knew that he was a man of conviction and principle. Of course, Dobson conveniently failed to mention that Reagan was a pro-choice governor who in 1967 signed into law the Therapeutic Abortion Act, which led to over 1 million abortions in California. Dobson's published eulogy also blamed Hinckley's 1981 attempt to assassinate Reagan on the porous security of the Secret Service that had also failed to stop him, James Dobson, from getting close to the president at one of his inaugural balls. Dobson also ripped on Bill Clinton for canceling an impact study on the state of the American family that Dobson had recommended to Reagan. Dobson also blamed Planned Parenthood for trying to influence the Reagan administration on nearly everything dealing with teen sexuality. By my rough count, Dobson's text referenced Reagan 60 times and referenced himself 93 times. Christianity Today's coverage focused on how Ronald Wilson Reagan and evangelicals became inseparable during the 1980s. After giving him the presidency, editor Ted Olson wrote, Conservative Protestants shaped Reagan's policies, and in turn, Reagan's presidency shaped American evangelicalism. Christianity Today's coverage focused on Reagan's 1983 evil empire speech to the National Association of Evangelicals, which included a reference to C.S. Lewis's screw tape letters describing a great spiritual awakening in America. The speech also included Christian right talking points about the rise of adultery, teenage sex, pornography, abortion, and hard drugs in America. The Christianity Today piece also referenced Reagan's 1984 speech to the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, in which he said to this gathering of evangelicals that he felt like, I'm coming home. Under this roof, some 4,000 of us are kindred spirits, united by one burning belief. God is our father. We are his children. Together, brothers and sisters, we are one family. In the previous year, 1983, Reagan had declared the year of the Bible. Now, 
He asked those evangelicals in attendance if they would use 1984 to put the Bible's great truths into action. Because within the covers of that single book, Reagan said, are all the answers to all the problems that face us today if we'd only read and believed. Of course, evangelicals loved it. Paul Weirich of the Free Congress Foundation and a Christian right veteran had a more complicated view of Reagan. This may shock you, he wrote. During the eight years of the Reagan presidency, I was not his biggest fan. I looked not so much at what he accomplished, but what he didn't accomplish. Weirich wished that Reagan had cut more government programs, such as the National Endowment of the Arts and the Legal Service Corporation, a federally funded program that provided free legal services for the poor. Weirich was disappointed that Reagan only paid lip service to prayer in public schools and a right to life amendment. He did not agree with Reagan's decision to appoint Sandra Day O'Connor to the Supreme Court bench. But it was not until Weirich started making trips to the old Soviet Union and heard from people who saw Reagan as their liberator that he began to change his mind about the former president. I was so tied up with my agenda that I failed to see the big picture, Weirich wrote. Sure, President Reagan did not do everything I wanted him to do, but he changed the world. How many other presidents can claim that? Weirich eventually warmed up to Reagan. But for some on the evangelical left, Reagan was bad for the country and the church. A few days after Reagan's death, the evangelical magazine Sojourners republished a 2001 essay by its art director, Ed Spivey Jr., titled The United States of Ronald Reagan. The Sojourner's editors prefaced the June 2004 republication of Spivey's piece with a note saying, during this time of mourning and remembrance, it might be helpful to recall the parts of Ronald Reagan's legacy that you won't hear much about during the next few days. While many in this country are tearfully advocating sainthood for the late president, this essay, written in 2001, gives a different perspective, one equally worthy of remembrance and consideration. Spivey's essay pulled no punches. In many ways, it was just as political as Dobson's letter to the focus on the family faithful. Spivey began, other than the fact that he was one of the worst presidents of the 20th century, I really have nothing bad to say about Ronald Reagan. He was pleasant enough, had a nice smile, and always looked sharp in a suit. It's the other stuff that bothers me, such as his insensitivity to the poor, women, people of color, the working class, and the unemployed, not to mention the damage he did to the environment, collective bargaining, and the nation's fiscal health. Spivey criticized Reagan's evangelical supporters for backing a president who was committed to military buildup, took full credit for the fall of communism, Spivey sarcastically added that Mikhail Gorbachev might have had something to do with it, but never mind. His tax cuts for the rich that increased the deficit by $2 trillion, and his dirty little wars in Central America that devastated the lives of millions. 
Spivey concluded by suggesting that a person of dubious distinction is being sanitized and memorialized, while others of substantial merit are ignored. Maybe it's time, Spivey continued, that we start asking reasonable questions of this latest movement of revisionism so that the harsher truths of Ronald Reagan will not be further submerged and forgotten. Though no evangelical leader or organization that I could find used Reagan's death to overtly advance the cause of George W. Bush or John Kerry in the 2004 presidential election, Dobson and Spivey came close, and all of the organizations mentioned in this piece indirectly used the death of this popular president to remind their constituents what was at stake in November. The death of such a consequential president was too good to pass up. History of Evangelicals and Politics is produced by Casey Lehman. It is a podcast for patrons of Current, an online platform that includes daily commentary, reflection, and judgment from diverse and talented writers representing positions across the political spectrum. Current also hosts The Way of Improvement Leads Home, a blog dedicated to reflections on American history, politics, religion, and academic life. This podcast is made possible by our patrons. Please consider supporting us by heading over to currentpub.com and clicking the red support button. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.